so much for being here with us today. Lord, I thank you that you want to spend time with us. It's a hard thing to grasp sometimes, especially when our behavior hasn't been the best, but that you want to spend that time with us today. And uh, Father, I want to come to a church service where you're not present. I don't want to do a religious duty and go home, but I want to come into contact with you so that I can be changed, that I can have hope and leave encouraged. And we love you and give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name. Church, thank you for letting God do what he needs to do in your life. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, as you know, Pastor John's got the weekend off, so Kristen and Stevie and the band, thank you guys so much. We're down a few people, but um, it doesn't matter. Amen. We're here to worship Jesus, and as I say, you could do with me and guitar, but I don't know that that would be worship. It would be a a joyful noise, but I don't know it would be great, but anyhow. So anyhow, Pastor John's not here to do announcements, so I get to, and it totally froze me up for service, and I wasn't online yet. And so uh, we have this little order of how we like things to happen. Anybody like that? It's like as you get older, you start realizing patterns are really good, and then when my pattern gets broken, I get like, okay, what are we supposed to do now? Uh, So if you have a bulletin, you could read it. If you're a first-time guest, fill that thing out, and uh, you can take it to the information booth and get a free coffee cup. And, uh, and if you have a praise or a prayer thing, put, write that on the back, stick it in an offering box. Um, again, we're not doing the pass the bucket thing anymore, but thank you so much for your online giving and giving through checks and cash in the boxes. Appreciate that so much. Um, helps us keep the lights on. I was going to say, and it helps us keep coffee made, but we didn't make it today just out of precaution. So um, how many of y'all had some really good coffee this morning? Anybody at all? Okay. I expect you to amen me really good because you're going to need it. Uh, kids, you guys can be dismissed. We are having kids church today. So first through sixth grade and go, Mr. Lou, we'll meet you right back um, in the four-year area. And then uh, the, the nursery is open. So if you have a child that needs taken care of, uh, change the diaper, please. Right? It'd be great. All right. Um, and, uh, and also there's no preschool this week. We'll, we'll let you know what's going to happen this coming week. Um, again, I, I, I choose to not live in fear, but we also have to live in wisdom. Right, and that's as a pastor, we have people that like they, they don't care, and other people that are very much they care, and some people are at risk with COVID, and we get that. And uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what, if you don't quite understand it, you should sign up for ministry and try to pastor two totally different viewpoints at the same time in the same flock. It's really difficult. And you're like, hey, how do how do you navigate this? But navigate it, we will, and we will succeed. And God is God. Amen. He's God, and, and nothing's going to happen to you that God don't see coming. That's terrible English, but if you're from the South, you understand perfectly. Um, you know, Chris, understand what I just said. Um, if you're proper English, you probably want to find a pastor that's educated with a PhD, and you may understand what he's saying, but your life will not be changed. I want to see if you're listening there. It might be. Um, is anybody ever sat under really educated preachers? It's like what they say is good, but it's like, okay, how do I apply that to my life? I'm kind of backwoods. Um, if you're brand new, that's kind of how I was born and raised. Uh, I didn't choose ministry. Ch- ministry chose me. I wanted to be a mechanic, right? Now I'm a people mechanic. And one thing I don't like about people is they just come off the workbench. You're like, hey, I was working on you. They're like, I don't like what you said, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, I'm going to go to a pastor who tells me I don't have a piston that needs to be replaced, right? Well, that knocks fine. <laughs> it's destroying you. All right. Well, now that we've got an understanding of who I am, I'm going to tell you about you. That's what this message is all about. It's all about us. And we are in a series called Understanding Seasons of Life. And, and I wrote here, you may not understand the season, but you do need to know that there are seasons. Like we go through stuff in life and most of the time we're like, okay, why 
why is this happening? I don't quite get it. And so through this series, it's learning how to have faith when you don't understand. It's like, I don't get what God's doing, but I know that he's good. Um, but with seasons, our first winter in Idaho, uh, we moved here when I was 19 years old, and I'm almost 50. That sounds like I've been here a long time, huh? I've been 30 years. But uh, who's been here in Idaho 30 years or more? Y'all, okay, y'all, you, you know the changes that have happened. Um, when we moved here, Meridian had 10,000 people. Uh, we still rode our horses downtown, like literally, yeah, there was cowboys and Indians. I met a guy when we first moved here. Um, he had been in Idaho his whole life, and he, he told me stories of the Indian tribes when he was a kid, of real Indian tribes, and he would tell me what they were doing and, and how they went to their summer grounds and winter grounds, and they lit fires, or they for, burned forests down so the stuff would grow. Um, he was that old, just a really, really cool guy to hear these stories. Uh, he told me about the, the Indian women who would have kids on the, on the trek, to their wintering grounds or their summer. He said they'd have a baby, they'd go in the bushes, have the baby, walk out and keep going. That's some tough women, right? Praise God for epidurals, we had three. <laughs> three kids, three epidurals, we're three for three, everything was great. My wife did not bite me, that was the goal of the whole epidural thing um, because of my mom and she's online. Matter of fact, mom, happy birthday, it's my mom's birthday today. Um, I'm almost as old as she is and they're watching online today. And so my mom actually bit my dad right here at the birth, I think it was my brother, my little brother. And my dad came out of the hospital room and I see his white t-shirt soaked with blood and that was, I was convinced that epidurals are a good thing so that when we had our kids, I was like, I don't want to get bit, so let's do this the right way. Just, just me, all right? So our, our first winter in Idaho, I was talking to my little brother about it a couple weeks back, and he, he said he remembers it being 38 below that first year that we moved here. My dad moved his logging company here. We had to tarp the equipment, put heaters under it so things wouldn't break. Um, and he, he said for, for three weeks straight, it never hit zero or never went above zero. It was that cold. Does anybody remember that? I mean, that was, that's a cold, cold winter. And we thought, what have we got ourselves into? I mean, we came and we elk hunted here, and we thought, man, that is cool. And fortunately, I don't think we've had a winter like that in 30 years. But it's 2020. Stand by. We just might, right? We don't know what's going to happen. So last week, we talked about the what, what happened in Elijah's life. This week, we're going to talk about the why. Um, I want to use a football analogy. Um, I think it's football season. I haven't really watched any games, but I think it's football season. But I want to I ask you a question about footballs. Does a football have a choice as to where it gets placed on the football field. Football field, it, 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 it doesn't have a choice. It gets placed where the referee wants to place. What if footballs could talk? What if footballs actually had a choice as to where they got placed on the football field and which football field they got placed on? You think they would be like, you know, hey, I don't want to get kicked, number one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get thrown down really hard. I don't want to play in the snow. I don't want to play in the rain, and I definitely don't want you deflating me, okay? Just keep your needle out of my little, all right? Just, just, I, want, I want a perfect game where the weather is nice. Matter of fact, how about the, how about the Hawaii Bowl? That's where I want to, and I want to be placed on the 50-yard line. I want everything to be great. But if you don't think about it, in order for a football to go forward, what has to happen first? It has to go back. Every football has to get hiked in the other direction to go forward. And in our lives, when we have this attitude that, hey, I just want to be on the 50-yard line, I want to think everybody create. I don't want to go back, I just want to go forward, I just like touchdowns, I don't like the reverse, I don't, I don't like penalties. The football doesn't get a choice, but we do. 
God is doing something in your life that you don't see. And here's what I want to talk to you about today. The title, if you'd like to take notes, which I hope you do, is The Purpose and the Placement. The purpose and the placement. We're going to see in Elijah's life that he was in a place on purpose, and he didn't know what the purpose was. All he was willing to do was be obedient. So the placement and the purpose. Are you in a place right now in your life that maybe you don't understand or maybe you don't even like? And so hopefully by the time we leave today, you'll have a better understanding of what God is doing in your life. You ever have someone move something of yours that has its place? If not, you're not married and you don't have children. All right? Because all of us have a place for certain things. All of us have, like, in our kitchens or whatever we have, this is where the spatula goes, this is where this knife goes, this is where this goes. And when somebody moves it, it, it I don't like it. Anybody else just enjoy, like, trying to find it, you know, oh, this is great, I'm cooking some, I can't want a spatula, this is so wonderful, all right? I get to waste time. I hate that. I hate when I find my tools in a place that they're not supposed to be. Yeah, like I'm hitting home now, right? And I'm like, hey, wait, I have in my tools, in my shop, I have a garage that's big. It's kind of like a shop. I have a place for my tools. They're all hanging. They're all labeled, millimeters, standard. I mean, you could go into my shop, and you could find any tool that you needed for the job, and you could find it easily. All the drawers are, okay, oh, pliers. There's, okay, there's the pliers, and they're all, they're supposed to be all, matter of fact, my, my little granddaughter messed me up the other day. We, she likes to be in the, in the, seriously. And she's playing in my toolbox. It's amazing what you spank your kids for, but you let your grandkids get away with. Right? And, and so I, I have all my pliers all lined up, and they're all symmetrical, and everything's where they're supposed to be. And she's piling all them on. She's making a pile of pliers, like 15. She, and, and I look over, what are you doing? She's like, what? I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like my kid would have got beat. She's like, oh, it's okay. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. I'm glad you're here with me. And, and she messed all my pliers up. And I had to, I was like, sweetheart, you don't touch Papa's pliers. Like, this is where they go. It's like, I'm sorry, you know. And she has the little big eyes. I'm sorry. And I was like, I forgive you, but stay out of my pliers drawer. Just, okay? This is okay. And she messed them up. What happens in life when we feel like everything's jumbled? Like, it's not where it's supposed to be, and we get a little bit spun up while God's doing things in our life, and there's reasons for this. So here's the story, 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 through 16. What I want to do is read the first part of the story. We'll talk about it, um, kind of recap a little bit of last week, and then we'll get into today's lesson. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the evil king at this point, so God was putting out a judgment on the nation because of his evilness, um, and he was going to make uh, no rain, so there's going to be a famine in the land. And Elijah goes and delivers the message, as the Lord God of Israel lives, uh, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now sometime later, verse 7, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him and said, go at once to Zarephath the Sinai. And we'll get into that in just a moment. So he's got to leave again. But the question I want to start up with is that, is that why did the brook dry up? The brook dried up simply because there was no rain. Who was it that commanded there would be no rain? It was Elijah. So the very thing that he commanded was the very thing that he is reaping the benefits of, of no water. And sometimes in our life, the problem is caused by a promise. When you obey and do what God asks you, there's an appearance of something not going the way that you thought it would go. And you're like, whoa, God, my brook shouldn't dry up. Everybody else's can, but how come, how come mine is? And God's doing something behind the scenes. You see, Elijah, again, delivers bad news 
God says, go hide in the Kareth Ravine. That's placement. He didn't tell him how long. And then the brook dries up. So we talked last week about how God will use a natural circumstance to bring about a spiritual purpose. So in this case, it's as if his obedience was the very thing that resulted in this particular assignment of the brook drying up. Okay, the brook dried up, why? Because he disobeyed. I'm sorry, he obeyed. <laughs> I wrote down, sometimes it's disobedience when we're talking about obedience. Sometimes our brook dries up because we didn't do what God asked us to do. But God said, okay, no, say no rain, no rain. Brook dries up. Why the brook dry up? Because God had a plan. Where's your brook at today? Are, are you trusting in something that maybe God is drying up, that God is doing something different and you're wanting to hold on to it? Well, God could be doing something different in your life See, sometimes, again, we disobey and God allows things to dry up so that we get things right. But I know this, you often create your own weather patterns by your decisions. You, you create your own weather patterns. You create things in life by your own decisions. Um, we just talk about forecasts. You know certain people, when you see them or when they, they, they text you or you know what the forecast is? You ever met those people? They're like the thunderstorm. It's like you see them coming and you're like, oh no, I'm just gonna stay away. Or they're bright and sunny. Who, who likes the bright and sunny people? Amen. I love the bright and sun. I love the people you see, man, they're smiling, everything's gonna be great. But you also know that the doom and gloom people, you're like, you're like, oh no. <laughs> it's like Idaho weather. It was nice and sunny, and ten minutes later it's just boom. Do you all avoid those when you go to the store? So what I love about Cuna, Idaho, is that I see church family all over the place. It's great. Or at least I see the upper half of you. I recognize you by your eyes. And and so we see people and we're like, ah, I'm having a good day. They're usually thundery and rainy and foggy and they should live on the Oregon coast, but they moved to Idaho. But you have an Oregon coast personality. <laughs> should we call it the Portland personality? We shouldn't name cities, but we'll just do it. All right. Portland is known for kind of being dreary and rainy. And, and I don't want to have a Portland personality. And you're from if you're from Portland, you got offended, get over it, all right, and move to Idaho, it's better. Um, unless, I shouldn't even, let me just, just keep going. Um, just don't bring the waves there, don't bring, that, don't bring that atmosphere. Some people create this atmosphere, and some of you are hanging around the wrong people. You, you're, you're called to be bright and sunny, but you're hanging around people that are just dreary and taking you down. Now, if you married them, good luck, you're still married, don't, don't leave, you gotta work with that, okay? Your job is not to try to figure it all out. You're not, your job is not to try to figure out what God's doing in your life. It's to simply obey what he's called you to do in this season in your life. And sometimes it feels like you're going backwards. Again, a football must be hiked backwards in order to go forward. We don't like backwards in life. We usually don't like, like, hey, I'm go I thought I was making progress and now I'm not. Well, you don't know what God is doing. So every problem has potential. Every problem has been just, how many of y'all like car breakdowns? Anybody just, you like your car to break? Is there one person here that you just enjoy car breakdowns? Flat tires? Not one person is raising their hand. Well, have you thought about the mechanic that needs your car to break down to feed their family? You selfish car owner. Okay? That's son a lot works at Les Schwab. You need tires. How, how many of y'all wish your tires never wore down? Me? Because I don't like buying tires. But I also enjoy my family. And they need to eat. So your tires need to wear down. So drive a lot this season. Actually, it's Thanksgiving, we don't want them to drive, right, Reed? We don't want Les Schwab to be slammed because they're down some crew. So don't drive. Just stay home. Be cool. Don't get any flats. All right? We don't like problems, but we need problems because somebody needs you to have a problem so they can fix the problem to make a living. Isn't that a weird way to think about it? I mean, your car's already going to break. 
So when you buy the part, you just say, God bless it. There's probably some Christian mechanic that just really needs to feed his family, so I'm just contributing to that, right? It's a terrible way to think, but it's the right way to think, right? We, we need people to have problems at times in order for us to fulfill our job, but what you see as a problem, God sees as potential, which always requires placement of some sort on the football field of life, and we don't always get to pick the field we play on. You might be in a field right now that you just don't like. Now, if the football had a choice, Okay, Mr. Football, where would you like to play? We already discovered that. Hawaii. 72 and sunny all the time. Do you want a big stadium with lots of cheering fans? Absolutely. Do you want cheerleaders? Absolutely. Do you, do you want really good concessions? Absolutely. This football would pick the best stadium to play in if he had the opportunity, right? Nice green grass, nice referees, no mean fans, The football would be like, I just want it comfortable. I want it great. I want everything to be perfect. But that's not reality. The reality is if you're not willing to play football and be used in a backyard on a low level where nobody sees you, what would make you think God would trust you to be in a stadium full of people? See, we have to have humble beginnings. We have to have places in our life that we don't really like, but God wants to know, are you going to be the football I've called you to be? Are you okay with being kicked and punted and run over and thrown and tossed and spit upon and deflated and, and, and wet and soggy? Are you willing to do that? And if we're willing to say, God, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be used wherever you want me to be used, Lord. Whatever field you want me to be used in, if it's in the backyard, if it's a stadium, great. But God, I just want to be what you created me to be. Are you willing to do that? Well, Elijah was. Elijah was a man who didn't really see the problem as a problem. He saw it as potential. He didn't always understand. God gave him a heads up on some things, but not everything. You see, sometimes you get to sit on the bench, and it's not always because you did something wrong. Some of you right now, some of you struggle with resting. Some of you struggle with just taking some time for yourself, taking some time just to relax because there's always something to do always something to clean, always something to fix. You know what we're talking about? It's just you go, 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 go. And that is not what God has made us to be. He's not intended for us to be used. Matter of fact, I didn't know this. Chris knows this because he knows football. I didn't know that football's got switched out all the time until a couple years ago. I had no idea. Like the quarterback gets to pick what football he wants. The one that has like six pounds of pressure instead of the required 11. I'm not naming any names, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, If you don't, don't Google it now, all right? But they switched footballs. I didn't know that. I just thought they used the same one. I can't say I was a rabid football fan if I didn't know that. They switch them out. Like, oh, I want this one, I want this one. And they keep them dry out. They're, they're just switching them out all the time. Well, you don't know that on TV if you don't really know the game. Does it matter? No, the football that needs to be used is the football that's in the game. Are you willing to be that football that sometimes is on the sidelines and sometimes is in the game? I guess there's certain footballs that are, get kicked and, and other ones that get passed. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with God saying, you know what? I'm going to call you to be a certain football in a certain time. And I'm going to, as long as you're ready when, when I need you. Can you imagine the quarterback going, hey, where's my football? Oh, he's in the concessions. <laughs> but that's my football. I know, but he wanted a break. You were mean to him last time. You threw an interception, so he don't want to play anymore. Can you imagine if footballs could talk what they would do? And there are times in our life that we want to argue with God as to how he can and cannot use us. And God just says, I just need you to be obedient. I need you to be ready. I need you to be ready when I need you to be in When you need to be in the game, be in the game. When you need to rest, I need you to rest. Why? Because when you rest, you have to be, or, I mean, I'm going to mess that up. When you need rest so you can be your best. 
You need rest. So some of you need to do that. One of the godliest things you can do is take a day off, like a true day off, all right? So now let's get into the why. We know what happened. The brook dried up. His next assignment, and some of you may be right now, this may hit some of you more than others, is there's a new assignment in your life. Okay, God, what's next? The brook dried up. Now there's something else. So sometime later, verse 7, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, again, because of the promise. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, go when you feel like it to Zarephath. Now, if you got your Bible, you know I'm not, I'm not telling you the correct thing. If you can see it, it says go at what? At once. Go now. That's what we're working on with my granddaughter. Like, no, mommy tells you now, not when you feel like it. Like, Papa's like the enforcer of the family. I would be like, no, your mom said, do it, do it now, sister, little sister. Do it now. Not when you have, because she, because Kayla likes to argue. She's like, well, but actually, I want to, no, no, there's no but actually, right? There's a do it now or else, okay? She's learning things, and her dad's military, so she's going to learn this really quick when she gets uh, joined up with her dad, who's in officer candidate school. Actually, just graduated. Um, they're in Florida. And so uh, he's an officer now, so he gives orders, all right? And she knows, he knows that's what he, she's going to figure out what's up. Of course, daddy's a big softie. God knows what he has for you. You just have to be willing to go at once when he tells you to go at once. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. I have it highlighted in my red, in my Bible. So he went. God said, so he went. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He calls out to her and he asks, would you bring me please a little water in a jar so I might have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, oh, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's got some reality going on here, okay? And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives the rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah told her and there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. All right, let's get back into this. So verses eight and nine, there's the next assignment. Again, God gives him some details. He says, a widow will feed you. Now, the widow doesn't know anything about this yet. As we can tell in her response, when, when, when she sees him, she doesn't really know who he is. She's just doing what she's doing. Uh, the widow doesn't know anything about the provision. See, God has already determined what's going to happen and through whom it's going to happen, and she has no idea. And why we read this story in the Bible is we need to understand that in our lives, God has things planned out ahead of us that you don't know nothing about. Your, your job is to be obedient. He, he will supply you with food. Well, there was no supply of food, so how can that happen? So she'll supply you with food. There was no supply of food. Are you amazed when God comes through in ways that you never expected? You've had those things happen. You're like, whoa, didn't see that coming. So here's what we know so far. There was a widow and her son that needed Elijah, and Elijah needed a miracle himself. The brook drying up was a catalyst for movement. 
For a miracle to happen, it required obedience on Elijah's part and the widow's part. Okay, this leads us to this statement, God's plan for your life always requires obedience, even when you don't understand the details. We talked about last week about not, you don't want to know all the details, right, ladies? Before you get pregnant, if, if you could experience the pain of childbirth and the pain of the first two years and the pain of the next 18 years and the pain of the next 40 years after that where you're still parenting the 60-year-old and you're wondering, haven't you figured it out yet? All right. What I've understand is you're always parenting, just so you know. And some of you were planning on getting pregnant, you just went, what? Say that again. <laughs> if God showed you all the details, all the pain, everything that you would go through, you would be like, stay away from me, honey, we're not ready. You'd be like, yeah, I'm not ready for this. God doesn't give you the details because he's graceful to you. He doesn't give you all the details. Why? Because it would scare you to death. I told you last week, if you were a baseball player and, and you were going to get beamed in the third inning and you knew it was coming, it was going to happen, you wouldn't want to get in the batter's box. Sometimes you just need to live life and see what happens. We don't want to know all the details because we would fail to live life the way that God, we would totally live in fear. So God's plan for your life always requires obedience, always does. And we need to be reminded of this continually because our emotions are sneaky things. Anybody have your emotions sneak up on you? Man, you're just living life and all of a sudden some emotion came over you and you're like, wow, you're just enjoying the new air one, listening, you're driving down Meridian Road and it's been over a year so they need to quit calling it the new air one. How about just air one? Anybody, that's to bug anybody. It's not new anymore. It's like after a year of marriage, you're not on the honeymoon, all right? That happens 28 years into it. The honeymoon continues, okay? Trust me, I know, all right? And you're just driving down, listening to worship music, Holy Spirit, and somebody cuts you off. And you're like, yeah! You're not welcome here anymore, Lord, because I gotta deal with this crazy person. And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I've been trying to deal with them too. They're driving, having crime, they're crazy, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, you could go from this moment of the Holy Spirit, just, you're just worshiping Jesus to anger, because emotions like to take control of the plane and fly the plane. And as you get older, you have to understand that emotions are going to fly the plane for a while, but you take the yoke quicker. In your marriage, as you mature, you will have your marital moments of emotion, but you learn to get over them quicker. You learn to get off that crazy cycle, is, is, is the, the marriage guy, um, Edgar Rich. He's got a weird name. Um, I shouldn't have said that. This is online. He's got a weird name. Egrickson? Egrickson? Chris doesn't know. She doesn't watch the marriage videos. No, she does. She doesn't need the name. Why well, does everybody look at it that way? I'm, it's all in trouble when the whole congregation looks at your wife. You can have a really good Christmas, baby. All right. Egg, egg, egg. I didn't know what his name is. And now she's drinking her vodka. I'm turning red because she just looked at me and drank. You see my face? I'm in a hole. Pray for me, church. Pray for me. We, we teach them together. Your call is based on someone else's need. Your call is based on someone else's need. See, way too often we make life about us. We make church about us. I want to ask you a question here. Did you cause someone else to feel glad they came to church today? That should be our goal every time we have churches, to make somebody else glad that they showed up. We have a lot of you know, first-time visitors, and being a first-time visitor can be scary. I mean, it's church, coming to church, a new church, you don't know. And it's even hard, especially during the COVID time, because you don't know if they want a handshake. You don't know if they want contact. You, know, you just don't know. And you, you have these things that we're dealing with now um, as churches, talking to other pastors, and they're like, people aren't sure how to welcome people because you don't know 
if they want to hide, you don't know if they want contact, you're just unsure of things. So, so if you came here and you didn't really get a higher, okay, we're known for being a very friendly church, but know that it wasn't you. Know that it wasn't you. It, no, it's the season we're in with all this fear is being pumped, fear, 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 right? And I want to be the faith, 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 and also be wisdom, 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 wisdom. And how, how, how do you do that when fear and faith collide? How do you navigate those times? Well, you do the best you can, but I want to tell you something. You can always smile at someone. You can always make someone feel welcome just with a smile and how are you doing. So when we gather to church, all right, too often we make it about us. We make it about, uh, we talked about this first service, about that song. I've, it, please don't ever do this to me. I've had this happen many times where people come up, Pastor, I just didn't like that song. Oh, we were singing to you? Didn't know that, all right? Stan, you are welcome in this place. I know, I work here, all right? Would, would that be weird if you, we put your name where we put God's name? And I don't know that God's ever disappointed with any song that is targeted at worshiping him, all right? Now, I get preference, I get flavor, I get all that, okay? But, but to say, oh, I didn't like that song, that's a dangerous thing to say because then God goes, I did. I did, I, I, I liked it. It's about him, okay? Again, understand preferences, but it's not about us, it's about him. We, we gather to be encouraged, and we also gather to encouraged. Now, verse 10 through 12, here's the widow's reality. Okay, this is her reality. So he went to Zarephath, okay, to a town gate where the widow was there gathering sticks. Okay, I want you to think about her emotional circumstances. There's nothing here that says God spoke to her. Nothing that says, hey, go to the gate. There's going to be this guy named Elijah. He's going to do a miracle. You're not going to run out of food. I just need you to go. She didn't know anything about this. God had already said, hey, I've, I've commanded a widow to feed you. The widow never got the memo. The widow didn't even know that the command was given, but it was going to happen. Why? Because God has it orchestrated. In your life, it's the same way. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know the provision that God has already given you. You just haven't obtained it yet. You have to believe that, right? If he can do it for little or little, he can do it for you. God has things in your future that you don't even know about, and he's going to provide for you. Why? Because he loves you. Here's what she was doing. She was just doing what she could given the circumstance. She was determined to do her best with the little that she had, not having a clue as to what God was up to. I would say, you don't have a clue what God's up to in your life sometimes. You might be right now going, I have no idea. But if you know God's character, you have to know that it's good, that God's going to use you, that God has something great for you. So think about her emotional state. And this is what we need to do. We have a hard time in our world today really being empathetic towards people. Think about her emotional state. She has no hope. Death is imminent. She says, I'm going to bake a little bit of bread. My son and I are going to eat it. And then we're going to die because that's all we got. She was looking at the natural reality. Natural reality. Well, when's the last time that you were in the emotional state of this widow? You might be here right now. You might be like, this is it. I, I, there's, there, I have nowhere else to go. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I, I can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Her emotional state was, was really important here. She didn't know what was coming, but she was out doing something with a little that she had. Because she's at the city gate collecting sticks. And I thought, you know what, Robert, I thought this is a weird place to collect sticks. Like, I'm going to go collect firewood. I'm going to go to the city of Cuna at the gate, if there was a gate. And I'm going to collect firewood. Would that be a weird place to collect firewood? And, and I'd never really seen this before. And I thought, she's at the city gate collecting sticks? 
That's a strange place to collect sticks. I don't know if there was walking sticks that people came in from the country and threw down by the city gate. I don't know if there was little pieces of brush. I have no idea why there was sticks at the city gate. But one thing that I do know, there was purpose in the placement. She was there because there was a man named Elijah who was also going to come to the city through the city gates at the exact same time that he would be sitting there watching her collecting these sticks because she was just doing what, what she could with what she had. She was going to build a little fire, make some food, and eat it and die. And God put her in mind to go to a place that doesn't even seem logical. It's a place where two stories collide. This isn't a beautiful thing. Two stories, Elijah's story, this widow's story, and they're about to collide. They're about to collide. Baby, can we do the Hallmark one again? All right. So it's like I call it a Hallmark collision. Hallmark collision. Okay. So here's here's Hallmark. Good looking woman, average looking guy, going down. He's he's got. Let's just say he's playing with his baseball. And here's a Hallmark collision. He's just doing what he's doing. He walks and there's this bump. And then she. Ooh, I like that look. (laughs) All right. Does that mean I'm forgiven? Okay. So she, now she never takes off with the ball. That's not Hallmark. Hallmark, Hallmark is, Hallmark is, oh, you dropped something, right? Because like the guy's always clumsy. And then, oh, ooh, the fingers touch. Save it for later, baby. Save it for later. You guys are dismissed. Um, God bless you. Isn't that a Hallmark collision? Is that what happens? Right? You watch Hallmark movies, and, and they're booming. And how often does that happen in real life where you actually bump into somebody, like physically crash and knock the coffee over and it's an apology, and then you find out that he's engaged with somebody else, and she's in town, but her ex is there working at the tree lot, and, you know, but you know it's fate because they spilled coffee on each other, and their hands barely touched, and there was some magical moment. Okay? Sort of like what happened here in the Bible where Elijah and this widow have this collision of two stories that's about to become a miracle. You see, there's purpose in the placement. There's purpose in why God has you where he has you. God always provides in the placement. He always does. And, and you know, in this story, it's not, it wasn't about the sticks. Okay, she needed sticks, but it wasn't about the sticks. It was about the placement. It was about where she was finding the sticks. Some of you have found yourselves in weird places and you, and you ended up, some of you took a left when you thought you were going to show you hit a detour, and, and sometimes the destination is in the detour. I have preached on that, but you could probably make it better, Pastor Stevie. Okay, the destination is found in the detour sometimes. You're like, ah, detour, and then you're like, whoa, hallmark moment, we touched. This could be it. I told you last week how we met, okay? It was, it was one of those little things that decision made here, changed decision, went here, went here, met her. 28 years later, we're madly in love. I'm madly in love with her. Sometimes I'm just mad. It's my issue, right? Not always. Emotions take over. This woman's emotional state was in a place where she was completely defeated. And that might be where you are today, but you need to understand something. When you are in God's placement, he will provide. I promise you that. He will provide. Emotionally, you might be spent. Emotionally, you might be, I'm done. We're done. There's, There's nothing else. But when you put yourself in God's placement, he will provide for you. God always provides. Think about this. God provides bread and meat through a raven, a non-hunting animal. And I'd be like, God, if you're going to provide, can you make it like a golden eagle? No. How about a bald eagle? Because I like bald eagle. Can, you give, can a bald eagle feed me? Because that would just be cool. That's very American. Right? 
bald eagle feeding you, and then you can like kind of give orders, like, hey, can I have rabbit tomorrow? And is that cool? Eagle's like, yeah, I got it, all right? He's an he's American bald eagle. He's going to salute, right? So he's going to salute. And he's going to bring you ribs the next day. And, 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 and wouldn't that be awesome? But, but a raven, a, a scavenging bird, is what's providing him with bread and with meat. And now you've got this widow that's out of food that's going to provide you with food. Okay, you know how God doesn't make sense most of the time? That's why I love the Bible, because when you read the Bible, you see that the story always ends well for the, those who are obedient. You've got to obey. You've got to do the right things. There's unlikely ways of provision in ways you don't see coming because you simply obey. So this widow doesn't know uh, help is already on its way because God took care of the future. Think about that. Imagine what her thoughts were, complete hopelessness, but God had already provided for her. Your job right now is to be obedient in the moment, whether you understand or not. Obedient in the moment. God already took care of the future. So Elijah shows up because God's timing is always perfect. Elijah asks for water. She says, okay. She goes to get him water. She's like, oh, can I have some, can I have some Texas Roadhouse, can I have some bread? Can you bring me some cinnamon butter too? Because I really like that. I'm adding that to the Bible. If you're a brand new Christian, that's not what it says. It just says bread. And, and, and she's like, I would, but I don't have any. My reality is, is I don't have any. I got a couple ingredients. And he asks her for the very thing that she lacked. She's willing to do it. And she's serving so I would tell you at this point, don't despise the small things. Don't despise the little obedience. Don't despise the little things that God asks you to do because Elijah's asking her to give him all that she has. The very thing that she needs to feed herself and feed her son and then die, he is asking for. And there's times in life, guys, when God asks you for something, it doesn't make sense. It's like, guys, this is all I got, right? Do you know that tithing always works? It always works? If you don't tithe, I'm gonna tell you to try it. Give it, give it three months. And I promise you, you will see some results of it. I, I say tithing with correct spending. Okay, if you tithe and you max your credit cards out, and go, okay, God, what are you gonna do about that? God's gonna, I'm gonna leave you hanging because you did it, all right? But when you tithe and you are responsible in your spending, God will always provide for you. Sometimes God asks you for the very thing you like because it's easy to give what you have. When you have abundance, if she owned a bread factory, <laughs> all right, he's like, can you give me a loaf of bread? She'd be like, sure. No skin off my teeth. I mean, I'll give you bread. But she didn't have anything. And that's where faith comes in. The test. She states reality. I don't have any bread, just the ingredients. And to me, it feels like, in the appearance, Elijah's being a little selfish here. Hey, you got a son, and you got you, and you got a little flour, you got a little oil, you're going to make some bread, and you guys, that's your last one, but I want you to feed me first. It, it appears selfish, but it's not selfish. It's simply a test. And there are times when it feels like God is asking you to give up something that doesn't make sense in the moment. If it made sense, there would be no faith involved. See, it's easy to obey when you know the results, right? I'm going to do our illustration, Stevie. So here's the results. I'm a quarterback, all right? A quarterback, down, man, you're down by six points. Actually, let's make it five. Down by, and you're at the one yard line of the other end. There's no time, one second on the clock. And you're gonna, you're gonna get the ball hiked to you and you're gonna throw it, they call it a Hail Mary. I'm not trying to be offensive because like this offended generation. Everybody's all quiet, okay? It's just a figure of speech. Um, I'm not attacking Catholicism. They just call it a Hail Mary. That's just the name. All right, so the quarterback gets the ball hiked and he just, and he goes and he, and he throws and he's like, ah, he got it, all right? That's not faith. Here's what God wants you to do. Nice catch, Pastor Stevie. All right. 
This is what God wants you to do. God wants you to get the ball hiked, and you go back, and you throw it, and you turn around and go like this. Got it. I didn't even look at the result because I knew what was going to happen. What, what is that? That's faith. Faith is throwing the ball going, God's got the rest. Um, God's going to take care of it. Why? He, he, the ball went back to go forward. I threw it. I turned around. I raised my hands in victory. Why? Because well, the victory's already won. We already have the victory. God is already going to provide. And that's what this widow did. She basically went, okay, I don't understand, but I'm chucking the ball, and I'm going to go away because I believe that God's going to do something. Why? Because God always obeys his own word. When he says, I'm going to provide for you, he's going to provide. What did Elijah say? Hey, you go do it. God has already taken care of it. She says, okay. She throws it away and lifts her hands. When the ball was still there, she's lifting her hands going, I won. You ever have those moments where you lift your hands in the air and you thought you won, but you didn't because it was a penalty? You ever had that happen against your team? Don't you love it when the, like the running back or somebody picks up a football and they're running and they get to the end zone, they're all celebrating, there's flags all over the field and they're like, yeah, good. I gotta be careful how I do that, gyrating in church. But we are Pentecostal, so it's free. Um, all right, and they're down celebrating and, and you look and like, there's flags all over, that ball's coming back and they're just making a fool of themselves. Does anybody else get a kick out of that? They're just like, oh, yeah. And you're like, dude, it's no touchdown, man. You broke the law. You broke the, no, you hit that guy before. No, it wasn't an interception. You pushed him down. Okay, we know that the ball's coming back, but they're out now. They're acting like a fool. Now, don't you love it when it's the other team doing it? And you're like, ah, ball's coming back, man. God doesn't do that to us. God provides, and then we can celebrate after he provides. So unfortunately, we a lot of times want to see the proof before we have that faith to believe there's going to be proof. But if there was proof, there's no faith. So where are you at in your life right now? Why was it so important that both Elijah and the widow be obedient? Why was it so important? Why did this widow need sticks? She needed sticks to build a fire. Okay, I think God brought her down to her last bit of flour and oil so that she would go do one thing about it. One thing that she needed was sticks. One thing that Elijah needed was food. And these two worlds collide, and God does a miracle out of it. Let me ask you a question. Who is waiting for you to be a miracle? Who is waiting for you to do what God has asked you to do when he's asked you to do it so that you can meet them at the city gate as they're doing something else and you have no idea what really what God is up to and that person definitely doesn't know what God is up to and there's a provision that takes place. You might meet some people around Thanksgiving time, around Christmas time that just need you to be a miracle for them. One of my favorite movies is um, the... the uh, <laughs> I'm getting old. Travis, what's my favorite? What's uh, the rescue swimmer? Guardian. Guardian, thank you. Yeah, my favorite movie is, I can't remember. My favorite wife is Chris, I think. Um, she, she's, used, she's getting used to my memory because I used to be like, this is my memory. Now I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So the, the Guardian, you ever seen that? Their, their whole goal is to rescue people. Like the Coast Guard is so others may live. That's, I think that's one of my favorite things, so others may live. And that's how as a Christian we need to live is it so that others can be blessed, so others will see a miracle. Well, we can be the miracle to the person who is in need. See, provision hinges on obedience. Provision hinges on obedience. Often to move us toward the next step, God loves you enough to let the brook dry up. And I said loves us enough because he has a plan for you and his plan is good, but his plan often requires movement. His plan often requires uncomfortable situations where you're like, okay, I'm happy here. I'm happy with all my pliers all where they should be, but now there's a pile. God, what's going on here? You know what that means? That means I have a beautiful granddaughter that loves to hang out in the shop with me. Okay, you have to look at the correct perspective. 
that she wants to be with her papa. She wants to be active. She wants to, she wants to touch the tools. And you've got to be okay with that, guys, because you can have a completely clean shop and have nobody to share it with. So life can be messy sometimes, okay? You can stay single and everything can be perfect all the time, but that's not a lot of fun. See, we have this tendency to want to stay where we're comfortable, and we don't make a lot of progress when we're comfortable. At least I don't. How many of y'all got up and worked out this morning? I put my hand, my hand went up. I don't see one person that got up and worked out, and yet we're getting spiritually fit, right? Because today's the spiritual fit, not the physical fit, right? We're cross-fit, right? That's probably not new. It took you... Let's make sure the crosses were still there. You all laughed. I thought maybe they were gone. Uh, all right. We're getting spiritual exercise, but, but I don't, you know, some of us may have got up and worked out, but most of us probably didn't, okay? And, and when we don't work out, we usually go backwards. Let me tell you something about getting old. I'm almost 50. Okay, climbing up ladders now hurts my legs for a couple days, and I used to be like a ladder. I'm a painter, man. I'm up ladders all the time, and now that I'm almost 50, I did some ladder work the other day, putting up Christmas lights, and my legs were sore. I'm like, what? Well, feels like I hauled out a whole elk, man. What's going on? And I was like, oh, I climbed a couple ladders. I have zero sympathy from this church family. Um, I was doing something good. This is getting old. Okay? So life is all about assignments. It really is. Life is all about assignments. Last slide. You need to get to a place in your walk with God that you don't have to understand. You simply trust. You just get that place, you're like, I don't have to understand this. I know God said to do what I'm supposed to do, and he's going to take care of the next step. i got to be willing to put in the puzzle piece in this puzzle without trying to figure out what the entire puzzle is going to look like. I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with it. I have to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Not, not going to know all the details, but I'm just going to simply obey. Why? Because God will never fail you. This is why it's so important for us to study stories like this, to know that God knows stuff that you don't. He's got things planned out that you know nothing about, but his plan is good. The Bible says that. He loves you, and his plan is good. I'm going to ask Pastor Stevie and Kristen to come back up, and um, we're going to sing Holy Spirit. Uh, you are welcome here. And here's what I want to do. I don't want to sing it as a song. Okay? I want to sing it as a prayer. That right now in your life, you may be going through some things that you just need God to come through because you're like, I don't know what to do. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to, to just touch my heart Give me guidance. Give me direction, okay? Because I will tell you this. Life is all about assignments. Assignments change. You might be in a period of where assignment, you've finished your assignment. Okay, Elijah had his assignment at the, at the brook, dried up. Next assignment. You rarely stay in the same assignment. So what is your assignment? What's your next assignment? What, are you in a place of, of like, now you're like, hey, I don't know what's going on. God does. God does. God knows. See, God works in ways that we don't get at times. But one thing I know about God's character is he's always good to his kids. Always. He's always good. He, he, he will never fail you. He will never bring you into another assignment that he doesn't, I guess, approve of. God has a plan. And his plan is good. You've got to be willing to trust that. So in those moments when you're unsure of like, okay, God, what are you doing? God doesn't always answer. Here's what I... Does anybody know about the candy called now and laters? The little squares? Here, here's my statement with that. Next time you see those candies, getting to your next assignment requires obedience in the now, not always understanding the later. The so next time you see that candy, I want you to think about that. I, want to, I need to obe- obey now, not understanding the later. Okay? Obey now, 
God will take care of the leader. Elijah, go at once to Zarephath. Yes, sir, Lord, yes, I'll, I'll go. The widow, he prompted her. There's some really good sticks at the city gate. <laughs> There's a bunch of travelers that came in and they dropped all their walking sticks. I'm just guessing here because it wouldn't make sense for me to be sticking. But, but there was sticks at the city gate. And maybe God prompted these travelers just speculating here to drop sticks at the city gate. And the widow's like, oh, there's sticks. I don't have to go out into the woods. I'm just guessing. I don't know why she was there. All I know is there was sticks. And she needed sticks, but it wasn't about the sticks. It was about prompting the Holy Spirit, timing her to be at the gate when Elijah was at the gate. Isn't that beautiful how God works that out? And he doesn't do it any different in our lives. He always provides for us. So the widow was given a command that she didn't even know about. She was part of a miracle. And the miracle benefited her because of her obedience and it benefited her son. So God is all taken care of. My challenge for you is just to obey today, to do what God has asked you to do. Amen. Now I want to ask you a question, okay, before we go here. As I pointed to the cross earlier, guys, we're not about religion at Change Life Church. We're not about religion. We're about a relationship with Jesus. Okay, most of us know if you're in church that, that Jesus died for our sins that he's active in our life now. The Bible talks in Revelation that there's a heaven and there's a hell. It says it's a real place. Heaven's a real place. Hell is a real place. And if hell was not real, there would be no reason for Jesus to come and die on a cross. But the Bible says it, so I just choose to believe it. And because of that, because of what Jesus did, if we accept what he did on the cross, we accept him as our Savior. Savior from what? He's got to be save us from something, from eternity in hell. And all we have to do is ask him. I don't know where your walk is with God today, but I want you to have the opportunity today before you walk out of this building to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, not as the Savior, but as your Savior, as your Savior. The Bible says that he's the only way to heaven. He said that I'm the only way to heaven. And have you accepted that or not? So I want to close it with this. If you bow your head with me, this is kind of a private time between me and you and God. But if you're here today and you're not right with God, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, or maybe you served God a long time ago and you're so far from God, you just want to come home. I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave. And, and if that's you, if you need to, to give your sins to Jesus, if you need to give your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand up where I can see it? I'm not going to call you out, point you out, or embarrass you in any way. But if that's you today, you just lift your hand up quickly and just say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? Okay. All right. Not seeing any hands. Now, online, that may happen. It's an easy prayer. It's Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. That's easy. It's, it's that easy to give your heart to Jesus. Amen. Second question I have for you is this. Are you going through a time that you just don't understand? You just, you're kind of confused. Like, hey, God, what are you doing in my life? And just lift your hand up where I can see it because I want to pray for you. Lord, you've seen these hands raised. And Lord, I ask again for a miracle to take place in their lives. God, that they would know that your hand is in this whole thing, that today's story would resonate within their heart, that though they may not understand what's happening, they have to understand that you're allowing things to happen to bring them to a place of blessing, maybe a place of new assignment, a place that you want them to be. And it's loving to give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, here's how I want to close it.